today for the word. I want to make a declaration of faith before I get into today's message, and here it is. I believe I was created by God with a unique purpose, as were all of us. My greatest assignment and greatest level of success comes from finding and fulfilling that purpose. My greatest joy and blessing in life comes from doing the will of God. And the great aim of my life's work is to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come with thanksgiving and we come with praise. We honor you and, Lord, we reverence you in this place. One of the most valuable things that can ever be given to a human being is the word of God, a word from the Lord in season. And right there along with the gift of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, eternal life and all those marvelous things you have given, righteousness, peace, joy, and love, that word from the Lord is so important to us. And Lord, that's one of the reasons we're here today. We come to worship, we come to give, and we come to serve. We come to acknowledge and recognize your plan and purpose in the earth. We come to celebrate even the church, your body. But Lord, we come to hear from you. We come to hear the word of the Lord, and we ask you to give us that word today, a word in season, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, you know, on the 1st of October here, the Lord spoke to us prophetically that the year 2024 would be the year of visitation. And you can see on the banner over there, we want to keep reminding you that visitation is, number one, an official visit. It's not just any old person that's visiting, but we're preparing for a divine visitation. And then number two, visitation means a special dispensation of divine favor. And favor is something that God gives that's not earned or deserved necessarily. It's, it's an aspect of His grace. And I'm sure that we can do things to position ourselves for favor, but nothing that's good from God that comes to us is something that we deserve. It's all because of His grace and favor. And so when the Lord spoke to us on the 1st of October about a year of divine visitation, that was not something we had planned to hear. That wasn't something that we just thought up. We didn't have some uh, session where we just got together and, and threw ideas out and a few of us came up with the idea that we would talk about visitation and that's what we would call the year 2024. I mean, that's not how that works at all. It just came by utterance in the Holy Spirit. And then we began to digest that. We began to meditate on it and think about it, study it, talk about it. And uh, there were three words that we shared with you last week and the last Sunday of the old year, 2023. Three words that pertain to this word from the Lord that I think are very important for us to grasp. Number one is the word expectation. Expectation which is faith in what God has said. We either believe that the Lord has spoken about a year of visitation or we don't. There's really not any in-between there. Uh, just hoping maybe, well, we hope it happens. That's not faith at all. Uh, but if we really believe it, then we are confident enough that we do the next word. We begin preparation. Preparation has to do first with prayer. Praying in the Spirit and praying with our understanding. I am committed to this year, 2024, to praying more than I've ever prayed in any year of my life. That's my commitment. That's something that I am planning to do. That's a personal thing. I want to pray at the next level because I have learned that you don't get to the next level if you're not praying at that level. Prayer precedes. Amen. And then when we begin preparation, of course, that's prayer and positioning. There might be adjustments that we need to make in other areas, maybe adjustments with our time, our money, uh, even our associations, people that we connect to. You know, uh, you are in many ways 
a sum total of the people that you are surrounded with and you connect to, including God, but also humans in your life, they make a big difference. And those of you who are parents, you remember when your kids were little, you could sometimes tell what kids they were around by what they said and did. The power of association is tremendously strong, and so we want to be positioned with the right people, and we want to prepare ourselves. Expectation, preparation, and the third word we shared with you was cooperation, which basically is obedience. What does God want you to do? What does God want you to uh, get involved with? You know, I think about one area of obedience that, uh, that is an easy place to practice, and I say easy with uh, the thought in mind that at least it's understandable. Sometimes it's tough on our flesh. But one, one place to learn obedience is in giving. Uh, because if you can learn to exercise your faith in giving, then you will begin to realize how to use faith in every other area. And one thing about using your faith for giving is that if you mess up something, if you miss something, it isn't fatal. Amen? But on the other hand, if the doctor tells you you have a terminal disease and your faith isn't developed, if you can't get that together to use your faith properly, then uh, it is going to be fatal. So start on the small things. You know, don't, don't be, you know, doing foolish things. Well, I'm believing God in 2024. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, my income is going to be a million dollars. Have you ever believed in a pair of socks yet? <laughs> Amen? So it's important. You know, uh, I could camp out there a long time. I don't need to. But uh, you understand that uh, we start with obedience. And so the Lord may be dealing with you about your schedule. He might be dealing with you about your time. He might be dealing with you about what you eat. I could have went all day without saying that, couldn't I? <laughs> he might be dealing with you about, uh, you know, uh, what you drink. And I could go a lot of places there. But uh, anyway, you know, and here's what you got to know. Things you don't need. Things you don't have to have, well, it's going to be harder to use your faith to deal with, with keeping on doing that. Let me give you an example. Uh, I don't know why, but in, in recent years, Glenna, uh, I'll talk about her while she's gone with the grandkids, <laughs> but uh, she just cannot, at this point in time, seem to tolerate caffeine. I mean, she can drink coffee at 1 o'clock in the day, and she'll be up to 3 in the morning. Well, what do you do with that? Well, rather than spend an inordinate amount of time trying to just believe that I can drink all the caffeine I want, she's chosen to cut it out. And uh, so, you know, sometimes she drinks decaf coffee, which is basically useless, as we know. And uh, <laughs> do you know that I'm talking about you, dear? You do? <laughs> Keep preaching, Amen. But my whole point is, you have to choose what you want to fight your faith battles with. And the essentials are essential. The things that aren't essential, well, then you can use your own discretion for. But when it comes to the essentials, we need obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. So expectation, preparation, and cooperation. And so I want to talk to you today, building on that, about a roadmap for the new year. I want to talk to you about a roadmap for the year 2024. And I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter number three, and we're going to start with verse seven. And I'm going to start first from the King James Version, the traditional King James, the old King James, whatever you want to call it. And I'm going to read, read from more than one translation, but it's going to help us to get a good picture of what's being said. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, Paul had just went through a litany of some things about uh, who he was, his Jewish background and heritage and all of that, and uh, his zeal for the Jewish religion, even to the point of persecuting the church. Paul was actually a terrorist before he was born again, and it shows you what a change that, uh, that the new birth makes. But he says in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. 
Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What a heart cry. I mean, if you think anybody would have known God in those days, it would have been Paul. And he did know him, but not at the level he wanted to know. He knew there was more. So he says, <coughs> that I may know him, <coughs> excuse me, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained, <clears throat> either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and pressing forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now I want to just immediately read that passage from the NIV. Verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have arrived or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Now, if you'll indulge me, I want to read from one other uh, paraphrase, actually. This one would be in the God's Word translation, whichever you want to call it, whatever it is. But this, of course, is much more of a modern uh, rendition, but I think it will help us get a little bit more insight. Beginning again, verse 7, these things that I once considered valuable, I now consider worthless for Christ. It's far more than that. I consider everything else worthless because I'm much better off knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's because of him that I think of everything as worthless. I threw it all away in order to gain Christ and to have a relationship with him. This means that I didn't receive God's approval by obeying his laws. The opposite is true. I have God's approval through faith in Christ. This is the approval that comes from God and is based on faith that, on faith that knows Christ. Faith knows the power that his coming back to life gives and what it means to share his suffering. In this way, I'm becoming like him in his death with the confidence that I'll come back to life from the dead. It's not that I've already reached the goal or have already completed the course, but I run to win that which Jesus Christ has already won for me. Brothers and sisters, I can't consider myself a winner yet. This is what I do. I don't look back. I lengthen my stride, and I run straight toward the goal to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers in Christ Jesus. Amen. In this passage, probably as well as any, 
Paul reveals his attitude toward his assignment. And of course, his assignment is what defined the rest of his life. Now, a number of weeks back, we did a series, several weeks, on finding the will of God. And we talked about finding his unique plan for us, each of us, and that God does indeed have a unique plan for each and every one of us. That even if people tell you you're worthless, they don't know what they're talking about. That's not how God sees any of us. Even if your parents didn't plan for you to be here, you can know that God did and made adequate and ample provision for you to have his best in your life. And so finding your assignment becomes very important. And I understand today that I'm talking to people who are interested in their assignment. And if there's anyone who isn't, then I would trust that you will grow to the place where you will become interested in your assignment. Christianity is not just coming to Christ to get blessed, even though we are greatly blessed when we do. But Christianity is more. It's about entering in with him into an earthly assignment to live our life with purpose. You can rest when you die. You can take it easy there. There'll be all kinds of perks and privileges in heaven that we don't have on the earth. And until that time, we want to be found faithful to the call of God on our lives. There is nothing that will give you more satisfaction, nothing that will complete you more, and nothing that will cause you to walk in a greater level of blessing and peace than to walk in your divine assignment. And our divine assignment is just that. It's an assignment from God. It's not doing what people think we ought to do. It's not doing what we think uh, or what other people think we would be good at. Uh, It's not trying to please people. It's all about pleasing God. It's all about doing the will of God. So we're truly new creations in Christ Jesus. And each of us have a destiny. We each have a purpose. And there is a roadmap to get you there. You know, a good map is, uh, is just simply a tool. And have you noticed that one of the first things that you have to do to properly use a map is you have to know where you are. It's funny about a map. It'll tell you how to get to some other place, but unless it's a GPS system, it really won't tell you where you are. Some of us are old enough to remember real maps, old-time maps, atlases, we called them. You know, you kept them in the car, those big books that, of those, all the different states and all that, you know. It's really, it was really neat. But if you used a traditional map, you couldn't really make any good out of it unless you could locate where you are. I mean, you go to a great big shopping center, a big mall or something like that, and you go to the directory uh, to find out. It's kind of a directory slash map, and you'll notice they have those little, uh, they have a little red star or an arrow or something, and it says, you are here. You are here. Well, you got to know you're here. You got to know where here is before you can find out where you want to go. And a a good map will show you the most efficient way, the quickest, easiest way to get where you want to go. And so that's what I want to share with you today for a few minutes. I don't know if we'll get done today or not. It doesn't matter. If we don't, we'll take it up next week. But I want to give you some things that I've been meditating on, been rolling around inside of me, some things that the Spirit of the Lord wants me to say to you about the roadmap for 2024, how to hook up and link up with this year of visitation so that this greatest manifestation of God's divine favor can come into your life like it needs to be. And, uh, you know, if you're perfect, if you have everything in life you ever want and could ever want, if everything is just rosy and great, then please bear with the rest of us while we attempt to get to a better place. Amen. So let's go to the first little location, the first little dot, the first little place on the map. And that's very, and, and nothing that I'm going to tell you is complicated. It's not something you haven't heard before, but for some, many, maybe all of us, it'll be a reminder. But the first thing is make time for God. Make time for God. Give God the first and the best of your time. Many of you do that with your finances. Many of you do that in other ways. But this issue of time is one of the most important that we can ever give to God. 
The Bible speaks of redeeming the time, buying back the time. Time is something that we spend, we use, and sometimes we say we're saving, but we really, technically, you can't save time. The clock never stops. Even if the battery runs out, time, real time, keeps moving. It's one of the most valuable earthly resources that you have. It is so valuable that once it's gone, it can't be gotten back. You can't buy it back. Now, if you've got lots of money and you're so inclined, you can get your face all jerked up and pulled back. You can cut off your goozle. You can, uh, you know, you can do all kinds of things. But you will not be younger. Amen. Some people go to such extremes, they don't necessarily, they may look a little young, may look a little younger, but they almost look like a different species. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very strange. We can't stop time. We can't stop it. You are how old you are. Whether you tell us or not, you know you know, and life is temporary. Time is an invention of God. And he inserted us into this time and space dimension. And time is something that is only temporary. I mean, you could say that and define it in more ways than one. But, but there's coming a time when there will be no more time. We've said this many times, but in the realm of the Spirit... It's always now. It's never yesterday. And it's not tomorrow. It's only now. If you were to go to heaven today and ask somebody, and I'm sure they're not going to have watches. But if you were to ask them what time it was, they'd say now. Now. And if you ask them a thousand years later what time is it, they're going to say now. Because that's how it is in the spiritual dimension. There is no time. But on earth, unfortunately, there is. And we've divided it up, you know, into the 24-hour day and all of that. And this year is leap year. Amen. And so another extra day and all that. We, we do our best to try to keep it all in order. But uh, time is probably our most valuable earthly resource. And so, as with all other things of value... We need to be willing to offer it to God. There are a lot of people that can drop $100 in an offering relatively easy, but they would have a hard time spending two hours waiting on God. We really have to work on this one. Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I want to give you this point on this map for success and for enjoying the visitation of God in 2024. Start making time for God first and best every day. If you have to get up earlier, if you have to go to bed earlier, whatever you have to do, arrange your schedule. And I understand that that we live in a world today where probably not everybody's going to be able to have the exact same schedule every day. You know, old timers back in our grandparents' day, great-grandparents' day, you know, they could always get up at the same time. They'd go through the same ritual every day. You know, the meal was prepared at the same time. I mean, but we live in a world where many times that's not going to be possible, that every day looks alike. But whatever you have to do to spend time in the presence of God, I can tell you it's one of the most important things you'll ever do in 2024. It's one of the most important things that you'll ever do. And we need to do it privately. We need to do it on our own. And I want to add this. We also need to do it publicly. That's one of the things we're doing today. And I commend you because you're starting the week the first day of the week, the first part of the day, you're starting 
in the house of the Lord, to honor God, to recognize God, to hear from God, and to worship the Lord. And all of that is important, and it will produce great, great results in our life. And please understand this. Once time is spent, you can never get it back. You know, probably all of us have, at some point in time, finished watching something on television or gone to a movie and it was over or we've done something and, and we've had to admit that was a real waste of an hour or two hours or whatever. We want to really be careful about that. And I, I, I maybe I don't have to say it, but I'm going to say it. The older you get, the more important that is. Because for some of us, there is more in the rearview mirror, time-wise, than there is in the, through the windshield in front. And I know when I got about 60 years of age, the Lord began to really deal with me, and He began to deal with me quite extensively that I needed to make the last portion of my life, the last third of my life, because you see, uh, Moses didn't get in the will of God until he was 80. He lived to be 120. So the last third of his life was the best third. So I was thinking, you know, about 60 years of age, if, you know, if I live to be 90, uh, you know, or thereabouts, then uh, two-thirds of my life would have been gone. So I want the last third to be the best. So if I come in here someday with a, with a head full of white wavy hair and my face glowing like Charlton Heston in the movie, then you'll know I really have been spending some time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm laughing, but it's, it's really a serious thing. Spend time. Make time for God. And you'll have to make it. Because I guarantee you, just the, just, it's just the way the devil tries to work on believers. As sure as you leave here today and say, you know, I'm going to do that. This week I'm going to spend some extra time, and I'm going to make sure that I spend time with God first. I guarantee you the devil is going to do his best to mess that up. You have to guard your time. You have to guard those things. Amen. Next sign, next place on the map. And these are things that I, I'm just, I'm really sharing my heart because these are things the Lord's dealing with me about, things that I've found very valuable in my life. So this second one is, is the same way. And that is, listen to your mentors. Whether they're living or they passed away and we can look at their books or hear recordings, listen to your mentors. Learn from them. Look for principles, not personality. Every man or woman of God that you would ever meet or know of has quirks. They all have little things that maybe we don't quite understand or maybe they do something or say something in certain ways that we don't quite understand. I had to learn, and I want to encourage you as well, to look for the principles the principles of how they conduct themselves, the principles that they teach us, and the power that's upon their lives. Not necessarily how they dress, not necessarily the accent or the way they speak, not necessarily you know what they drive, what they live in, uh, the kind of food they like. All those things are really irrelevant to the spiritual side of life. And I look back upon many of the mentors that that I look to as examples in my early days of ministry, and most of them are gone. Most of them, I couldn't go to, to a meeting where they're preaching anymore. They're already with the Lord. And I look back, and one of, one of my regrets as a minister is that I didn't do a better job of listening to my mentors going to see them, going to their meetings, and partaking in person and live. You know, I love the whole uh, internet thing about being able to go back and pull up messages from 40 years ago and hear people preach recorded things, and I think that's wonderful. And I do that, you know, I, I, I listen to recordings almost every day of my life, but it's not the same as being there. It's not the same. 
things happen in a gathering of believers like today that just don't happen when you're riding along in your car listening to a recording. Now, all that listening is important, so I, I do that. So I'm not telling you don't do it. I'm just saying listen to your mentors, not just recordings, but in person. Make the effort. Get to the meeting. You say, well, I don't like all those people. Well, maybe they don't like you. <laughs> I don't know. That's not what it's about. Well, you know, it's too far to drive. Listen. If they told you you had a life-threatening disease and you had to go to Duke Medical Center or you had to go up to Charlottesville or you had to go, you know, to Wake Forest, uh, you know, University or somewhere like that to get some help, you know what you'd do? You'd get yourself up and go. If they told you that, that you're going to need to go, uh, you know, once a week for the next eight weeks to get training in order for you to take on this job, which is going to pay you a $500,000 a year salary, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go every week for your training. It says a lot about us what we're willing to do. It says a lot about our priorities, what we actually do. I like things easy. I like things convenient. But there are things you just cannot get online, through a recording, or just by reading somebody's book. And for all of this wonderful enthusiasm I'm sensing this morning, I want to say thank you. Praise the Lord. Let's go over to Hebrews 13 while we're on this particular aspect on the roadmap, while we're looking in this direction. Hebrews chapter 13, and uh, there's a really wonderful verse here in verse number 8 that I want to read to you. And uh, as the, this letter is closing, this is the last chapter of the letter. So we're getting some last words here. And uh, verse number, um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse, I said verse 8, I'm sorry, I mean verse 7. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. So this would be our spiritual leaders, mentors, teachers, guides, those in spiritual authority. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. So another little side note here is if, if people don't speak the word of God to you, they're not in authority over you. Titles mean nothing if they're, if they're not gifts and ministry to accompany it. Anybody can call themselves a prophet. Anybody can call themselves a bishop. Anybody can call themselves a pastor. That is, is uh, easy to do. But it's a whole other thing to have the ministry that confirms that title. And so that's what he's saying here. Who's, who have spoken the word of God to you. So in other words, nobody is in any spiritual authority over you who is not speaking the word of God to you. I don't care what their title is or how long they've been there. Now, notice he goes on to say, whose faith follow. Follow their faith. He didn't say you had to dress like them, wear your hair like them. You had to go on vacation at the same place where they go or drive the same car or live in the same kind of a house. He said, no, follow their faith. Considering the end of their conversation, the word conversation in the Old English means manner of life. In other words, how's it working for them? Nobody should be mentoring you that, isn't, isn't, uh, got, that doesn't have something that you want. Something that you can draw from. Amen. I mean, if you're going to a so-called expert in any field, are you looking for somebody dumber than you? I'm not, I'm not calling you dumb. I'm just saying, are you looking for somebody that knows less? If I go, if I go to uh, see a doctor, if I go to see a lawyer, if I go to see an accountant, if I go to see a, any kind of professional in that way, I'm not wanting somebody that knows less than me. I'm going to them because they know more than I know. And I want an impartation from them. And that's the same way in the things of God. We want to receive from people that have something to give. Amen. All right. So you've survived the first two. Let's go to the third one. This is something that uh, is important for us on this roadway, this map toward this time of visitation. I think it's very important. 
and that is to connect to God's purpose. Connect to what God is doing. And I've already quoted Matthew 6.33 about seeking first the kingdom of God. And notice that Jesus taught us when he gave us that statement in Matthew 6.33 that if I'll seek first the kingdom, it guarantees other things will be added. The idea is I'm not seeking the things, I'm seeking the kingdom. The things will come. I'm seeking the kingdom, the things will come. I said I'm seeking the kingdom, the things will come. See, a lot of people have got that backwards. Man, they're seeking the things. Well, you know, I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. This is what, you know, I want to do. Well, uh, are you seeking the kingdom? Because God has a better way to get us where we want to go than anything we can think of. And most of the time, it's going to be things we did not think of. I can't tell you how many times things have happened in our life, and Glenn and me, and in our life and, and ministry and our personal life, that we had no idea how that was going to happen or how it was going to work out, but God supernaturally worked it out. I remember when we were, we were preparing to build this building, and it looked so impossible. And I remember Glenn went to a particular place of business to uh, look at... Uh, looking for some basic furniture, office furniture or something. And uh, the guy was interested in what she was looking for. And then he wanted to know about the story. And so she told him and he wanted to know what kind of church that we had and that kind of thing. And she told him it was a, a Pentecostal church and so forth. And what was it? Uh, he said that something about said, well, if he, if he said, if he can make that work, it'll be something. And you know what I've noticed? It's something. <laughs> and that business, it's defunct. It's important to connect to God's purpose. Once you receive God's free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, you need to understand, and I'm not saying this like, I'm not trying to sound, you know, harsh or anything. I'm just... This really, I'm passionate about these things. Um, once you get born again, your life is no longer yours. You know, this is not a, I'm going I'm to pick up Jesus like I pick up, uh, you know, a certificate or a degree. Or I'm going to pick up Jesus like I pick up a wife or a husband. I'm going to pick up Jesus like I take a new job or buy a new home somewhere. No, we're not picking up Jesus. He picked us up and changed us and, and he took ownership of us. If you'll let him really own you, if you'll let him really be Lord of your life, he will give you a better life than you ever even thought you would have. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. If someone would have told me 40 years ago where the Lord would bring us to, I could not have believed it at that moment. I had to go step by step because it was greater and bigger than anything I could have thought about. And that's true for every one of you. Not just preachers, but every one of us. Once you receive God's gift of salvation, you need to understand that your life is no longer your own. And here's the next key to that. Your success is tied to his. Our success, my success, is tied to his. And what is he about? What would make Jesus successful? Now, he successfully redeemed us. He did the salvation portion of his ministry successfully but right now his his thing is the body of christ doing the great commission and he in heaven as our high priest and i can enter into those both i can enter into both of those things i can enter into his intercessory ministry through my prayer life and i can enter into the great commission by connecting with his purpose in the earth, which means connecting to the local church, wherever I am, wherever I am. And if I, were, if I found myself somewhere that I could not find a good, spirit-filled, word-based church, you know what I would do? Move. I'd quit the job, if that's what I had to do, and I would move. It's amazing how people will move for a job. Well, you know they're going to pay me 20000 more in a year, so we're going to move. Well, is there a great church there that you're going to attend? Well, I don't know. I haven't checked that out yet. Well, you know where their priority is. That's how people get backslidden. 
That's how people end up divorced. That's how they, they end up with their kids marrying the wrong people and having a total mess out of their life. Is they put everything else in front of God's purposes. So we need to realize our life is not our own and our success is tied to his. And that means I need to be involved in his business. Remember the last portion of that confession we did on finances a little while ago? As I'm uh, obediently involved with God's business, he is involved with mine. You look around in this congregation and you see the people that are most greatly blessed, you will see there are people that are involved with God's business here. They are involved with what God is doing. And when we come to the church, you know, we don't carry the same title maybe or the same uh, level of authority always that maybe we do on our jobs or where we are outside. But we come here and and we're just another member of the body of Christ. Now that'll crucify your ego. But what I've seen in my lifetime is that the people who are willing to get committed to what God is doing and get connected, those people have the greatest level of blessing in their lives than anybody that I've ever seen. And it's amazing. Praise the Lord. All right. Can you handle one more? All right. The next thing on this roadmap is next level giving. Now, I'm not going to take a long time with this. I know people, you know, criticize us as a church as it is that we say too much about money and that there's too much emphasis on it. Of course, you couldn't do what this church does if we didn't know something about it. You know, I was talking about seeking professional help and you want to find somebody smarter than you to, to, to get counsel and advice from. Well, the same thing is true about money. If I want to know about God's financial system, I'm not going to talk to somebody that doesn't have any money. Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) Now, I might get sympathy for somebody that's broke because misery loves company. I I might get somebody that will sit and let me gripe to them about what's wrong with the system and what's wrong with rich people or whatever. But if I really want to get out of poverty, I'm going to have to listen to somebody that knows something about money and giving. And the thing about a Christian is you're not allowed to cheat. You're not allowed to hook and crook, shuck and jive and all those other old time words. You're not allowed to do that. You're supposed to be the best worker on the job. You're supposed to be there early and stay late if anybody does. And you're supposed to make things happen for other people. That's all important. Um, So so if I'm going to get any information, I can't do it from the dark side of life. I'm going to have to do it from the light, from the Word of God. And so therefore, I need to find somebody that knows how to do something. Amen. And so I know that if I were uh, broke today... I wouldn't run away from somebody with money, and I wouldn't run away from somebody talking about money. Those are the people I'd want to hang out with. I've given offerings that were an embarrassment to me, and a very little tangible, real benefit to the person I gave it to. But I needed to give more than they needed to receive. Amen. And I could, I could meddle here a long time, but I, I, I don't want to. I said I wasn't going to. But I just want to tell you this about giving. Sow where you want to go. <coughs> find the best ground that you can find. And don't disconnect. Remember what we said about mentors and how that we look for principles, not personality. When you begin to give, you're, you know, and you get involved and, and you begin to see things and know things, there could probably going to be times when maybe you won't understand a decision that's made. Maybe you won't always like the way somebody does something. You'll have a lot of opportunities to disconnect. It's true in a local church. We have opportunities to get our feelings hurt. We have opportunities to think that we're being neglected that we're being used and taken for granted. It's amazing to me how people say they want to be used and then when they are, they cry that they're used. (laughs) 
I mean, when you've been around this as long as I have, you've seen and heard just about everything. But the fact is, you'll have every opportunity to disconnect. And uh, uh, you'll have opportunities to just walk away. But here's a principle I've learned that is so powerful. If I will help make somebody else's vision come to pass, then God will bring my vision to pass. We have given over these many years, many times, when we had things that we could have done with that money. We sowed heavily even when we still had a mortgage. And I don't know how many times you've thought about it. Maybe not much because you're not pastoring the church maybe as I am. But still, the fact that we are debt free today has a lot to do with the fact that when we had some debt, we were sowing to help pay off other people's debt. We were sowing to help make their vision come to pass. That's what sowing is about. Your harvest is like the seed you sowed, only multiplied over and over and over again. And so therefore, uh, I, I like what T.L. Osborne, many of you remember T.L. Osborne, the late T.L. Osborne, wonderful, great evangelist. And he made this statement. He said, if I were looking for a church, he said, I would look for a church that has... Uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact words of his statement, <clears throat> but the effect was I would look for a church that uh, needs a lot of money to do what they're doing. He said, Because I know that if I go and connect, the Lord's going to use me to help bring some of that in. Because you see, that's, that's what a church is it's people. The reason that this church gave more away last year than we used to take in in an entire year is because God has blessed you and blessed me because we are connected to what he's doing. And so don't ever disconnect from what God is doing. And also, just a word to the wise, don't forget to harvest. I mean, it sounds very uh, religious and, and uh, you know, kind of humble. Well, you know, I, I gave it, but... You know, I, I don't have any more thought about it. You know, whatever the Lord wants to do. No, no, no. He promised to harvest. And they're harvesting factors like joy and confession and faith and humility and obedience. And so, so be sure that, that you're harvesting. You know, one of the things I'll tell the devil while I'm sitting in my recliner in the morning, giving God the first and the best, one of the things, not every single day, but the, one of the things I tell the devil is, you're under my feet. And the money that belongs to me comes to me. And you know what? The devil just has to obey and stay there in his place under my feet because I, I'm harvesting. The money that belongs to me comes to me. Now, obviously, we've covered four points on this, this thing today. And this is the only one about the giving part, but it is extremely important. Make time for God. Listen to and connect and stay connected to your mentors. Connect to God's purpose, seeking first his kingdom. Find, what God is, find out where he's moving. Find out if, where he's doing something. And then go help make that happen. It may not be permanently. It might not be that you'd be there for 40 years. But go help God get something done. Amen. And then give at another level. I can tell you that if you want to go to another level financially this year, you have several uh, things that you could do. You could get a, a better or different job. You could work longer, work harder. But you also could give at another level and see what God does. Because the, the blessing of the Lord, the Bible says, makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So I'm believing, God, that 2024 is a year of divine visitation in the area of the gifts of the Spirit, in the area of the miraculous, in the area of growth and development in every area of our life. And I'm believing that it is a year of divine visitation and favor in the material realm as well. Amen? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you, Lord, for your power and presence in this place. We could not do anything of any value without you and without your help. And so I pray that today you would speak to us and show us the next step, what we need to do. 
Lord, today we've talked about a number of things and some really big things. But we know it all begins with just the next step, whatever that is and wherever that is. So, Lord, I believe you to speak to hearts right now that this new year, as we open this with the first Sunday of this new year, that we begin by declaring that Jesus is Lord over our spiritual life, our physical life, our financial life, our mental and emotional life, and over all of our relationships and our families. Lord, we are your people. We don't belong to ourselves. We've been bought with a price. We've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy and the curse of the law. And so, Father, we thank you that this year will be the best year. The best year. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to just just, just shut yourself in with God for a moment and think about What would be the greatest blessing of this year that you would ask for or that you would believe for? What what would make a significant difference in your life that would bring you joy, that would bring you another degree of blessing and make you a greater blessing? Pursue those things from the heart of God. It might look impossible, You may not be able to figure out how it's going to happen at this moment. But if you'll follow God, he will take you to places that you would never think you could get to. And listen to me carefully. God will bless you greater than you think you deserve. Greater than you've thought or planned. That's the God we serve. Thank you, Jesus.